so much for being here today. I am really excited about this episode. It is with Terry Tucker. And Terry has a really unique perspective because he has been on quite the cancer journey um, that has resulted in him having his foot amputated and then later his leg. So he is just such an amazing light. His mindset is just beautiful and inspiring and he talks about the importance of mindset not only in a cancer journey, but in general. And um, he talks about, you know, he, I, I really appreciate the vulnerability that he brings and the, the honesty that he brought forth. Um, we talk a bit about some of the realities uh, relating to his amputation and the pain and the sensations um, and he gets into his four truths and how those have been used. And those are applicable, again, across the board, um, not just related to dealing with cancer, but they're life truths. So um, this is a really important conversation. He is a just an incredible, an incredible man. Um, so I was really, really really fortunate to connect with him. And I hope that you get as much out of this conversation as I did. I know you will. And so drop me a line. Let me know what you think and um, what you get from this episode. I would love to hear from you. You can email me at themeditationconversation at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at Kara underscore Goodwin underscore meditation. I'm on Facebook at Kara Goodwin meditation. And then, you know, have a look at my website at karagoodwin.com. There are all kinds of resources. If you're into meditation, if that is your jam, then I think you're going to like my website. There's a lot on there for you um, to help your journey and um, and I know that you're listening to this on audio because I don't do these little intros for the video, but if you do prefer to get your podcasts on YouTube, I am now putting my podcasts on YouTube. I am terrible at, uh, getting the word out there about that, but if you are interested or if you know people who will watch videos, but they are not into podcasts, please direct them if you think they'd enjoy this content. Um, and you can just find me out there on the meditation conversation out there in YouTube land, which is a, a new, a new thing for me. So anyway, here we go. Thank you again so much for being here and enjoy this episode. Hi, and welcome to the meditation conversation. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin. And today I'm joined by Terry Tucker. Terry is a former college basketball player, a SWAT team hostage negotiator, a cancer warrior for the past 10 years, which included the amputation of his foot in 2018 and his leg in 2020. And he's also the author of the book, Sustainable Excellence. So welcome, Terry. I'm so happy to meet you. Thank you, Kara. I'm looking forward to talking with you today. So I gave a little overview, but I would love for you to tell us about your journey that has gotten you to where you are now. 
Sure. So I, I grew up on the south side of Chicago. I am the oldest of three boys. You can't tell this from my voice or from looking at me, but I'm six foot eight inches tall. And I actually went to college at, at the Citadel, a military college in South Carolina, on a basketball scholarship. When I graduated, I moved home to find a job. I was actually the first person in my family to graduate from college. And so I was all set to make my mark on the world with my newly obtained business administration degree. And I look back now and realize how little I knew about business just because I had a degree. Fortunately, yeah. I was able to find that first job in the corporate headquarters uh, in the marketing department of Wendy's International, the hamburger chain. Uh, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I lived with my parents for the next three and a half years as I helped my mother care for my father and my grandmother who were both dying of different forms of cancer. You touched a little bit on my professional uh, experience, so I, I really won't go into that very much. And then I guess finally, my wife and I have been married for almost 30 years. We have one child, a daughter, who's a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy and is an officer in the new branch of the military, the Space Force. What? Oh my gosh. Well, that's fascinating. It is. You probably should have her on here more than you should have me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you've got your own worth, but yeah, that is fascinating. I mean, you say like one sentence about your daughter and it's like, what? Wait, yeah. huh? Who? What? <laughs> wow. We're very proud of her as you can imagine. Yes, I can imagine. And um, yeah, I appreciate that, that condensed version of a whole lifetime um, there. How did the the amputation of your foot and your leg and, and all of that and the, your cancer story and, and all of that, how has that come to play a part? Because this is a it's a big um, it's a big change going from, you know, first of the first of the family to get a college education. And then you had the SWAT team piece, which in the military stuff and then going into the cancer and now you know, you're an author and, and kind of showing, you know, you have a lot of facets. So how have those kind of all, all unfolded for you? Yeah, that's, that, that's a good question. I, I actually had a nurse recently who asked me, you know, what was it like to have your, your foot amputated and then have your leg amputated? And, and I've told her it, it, it has not been easy. It's been a little over two years since I've had my leg amputated and I'm still learning how to walk again, you know, with the prosthetic. Obviously, at six foot eight, falling is not an option. You know, oh, uh, you, you kind of get hurt in that regard. But what I told her was, you know, cancer can take all my physical faculties, but cancer can't touch my mind. It can't touch my heart and it can't touch my soul. And that's who I am. That's who you are, Kara. That's who everybody who's listening to us really is. And we all get hung up on, you know, how do I look? Or especially when you're sick and you're going through chemo and you're losing your hair and you know, your skin gets blotchy and all the, all the ugliness that goes on. And we all get, you know, kind of caught up in that and, and myself included. But, you know, when you take a step back and you realize that this is just a, a vessel or a house or whatever you want to call it to house who we really are. And we spend so much time working on our physical bodies and so little time working on our heart, our mind and our soul. And that's really who we are. So, I mean, it certainly has been an entire shift in my life. I mean, it's it's been it's been over ten years now that I've been dealing with, with this cancer journey, and it just seems like it's one thing after another. And you know, just when you think, oh, I'm I'm, I'm kind of coming out the other side, 
well, this pops up or that pops up. And you, you just realize that it's your mindset that really in anything we do, it's your mindset that either makes you successful in it or leads you down the path of, you know, woe is me. Everybody should feel sorry for me. And and, and don't get me wrong. I I have bad days. There are days that I cry. There are days that I get down. There are days I feel sorry for myself, but I just don't let myself stay in those days for very long. Mm, it's so important. And I want to go back to the, the mindset piece because you're absolutely right. And I love that your mug is the size of you. That is a mug is. for a six foot eight man. <laughs> and it's water. And I promise. It's really so, just water. So. <laughs> some people are listening to this and they can't see it, but it may be worth going onto YouTube and just looking. We're five minutes in. Go to five minutes and just look at the size of the mug that he just drank from. That's perfect. <laughs> it fits you perfectly. I love it. Um, so I do want to go back to the mindset because that is a really important point. And there's a lot of wisdom in there that you're taking for granted, I feel, you know, where it's like, oh yeah, we're not these bodies. Um, but I do want to just, um, pause because there's a, a unique perspective that you're able to have that I'm curious about, which is in losing your leg. I, I have heard about like the phantom pains that can happen when we lose, uh, an, an arm or a leg where you can actually feel sensations where you're, you don't, you know, you no longer have. So your foot, for instance, you may feel like a pain in the foot that ha that, you know, where there isn't a foot anymore. Have you experienced anything like that? I, I have, uh, actually I'm on a, a drug called Lyrica to help with the phantom pain. And, and yes, there, there is phantom pain, but there's also, just the sensation, like right now I'm sitting here in my wheelchair, I can feel my foot on the ground. So, you know, what, I can feel that's it. Fascinating. Like, what do you make of that? Well, you know, I, I've talked to my doctors about it. And basically, what they say is that, you know, I, I mean, I was what, 58, 59, 60, somewhere in there when I had my, my leg amputated. You have that that many years of your of that wiring to your brain of the feeling of your foot the feeling of your knee the feeling of, of the things that aren't there anymore and I, I had a, a terrible basically what happened is I had a tumor that had grown for lack of a better area in my ankle that grew large enough that it fractured my tibia my shin bone and so I was walking around for a couple of weeks on a broken leg because of the cancer. And so I still feel that pain, even though I don't have a tibia anymore. I don't have a knee. I don't have an ankle. But what they say is, you know, you've had that connection for, you know, 60 years of your life. It's not going to go away overnight just because we sever the nerves. Your nerves kind of expect to have that sensation going to them. And so it, and I am still being treated for cancer. I have tumors in my lungs. And on the week that I go for treatment every third week, the, the phantom pain is much worse. Uh, mm -hmm. It, it kind of keeps me up at night. It, it, it's almost like a lightning bolt going through the area of my leg that I don't have anymore. And, and you're, you almost jerk and that kind of thing. So, so it's, it's been a real interesting dynamic to play out. I, I mean, you just sort of get used to, you live in sort of maybe a, a number four, you know, on a scale of one to 10, you know, it's probably a four in terms of pain, which is, you know, it's not killing me, 
but it's just always there. So. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I mean, I, I do energy work. So it's interesting because your doctors have the, you know, they're looking at neurons, they're looking like the neuron network within your brain and then how that affects your nervous system and your, and the nerves that would travel down your leg. For me, I, I engage with, with people also at the energy level where we have this like blueprint of who we are and that blueprint remains beyond the physical. So you're, you know, it ties in really beautifully with the point of your intro where you're, or where we were just talking about, you know, we're beyond the human body. This is a temporary vessel, um, but it has an energetic blueprint. And so it's, it's really an, I find it very, very fascinating that we can have something that shows that the origin of sensation and the origin of our, our experience, I mean, that's what an amazing, incredible illustration of our energetic template beyond the physical body, because you remove a part of the physical body and you still can have the physical sensations that carry on. Like that's really very, very powerful. And I'm, I'm very sorry that it, it's a, such a physical pain for you. You know, I wish that it was like, wow, yeah, I feel these little, it feels like somebody's just massaging my foot all the time. You know, I would love for it to have been that kind of sensation. But, uh, but I appreciate you, you sharing that with us because I think it's a really powerful and unique perspective and experience that you have that, that opens a, a door of understanding within, within those of us who are not in that same living experience. Yeah, I was like you. You know, I'd heard about people with phantom pain or phantom sensation but I never, even when I woke up after the surgery, I could still feel the, the pain of, of, you know, my, my tibia, my shin bone being broken and things like that. And, and I remember kind of pulling back the covers. It's like, it's, it's not there anymore. How, yeah. how can I, you know, shouldn't that be gone? And, and that started a whole, you know, discussion with my doctors about, no, it, it's not, it's, it's not like we take it off and it's gone. I mean, you have that mm -hmm. sensation. Your brain is wired that way. You still have those nerves. They just stop, you know, somewhere down your thigh. So they're still yeah. there though. Yeah. Wow. So fascinating. Well, through your challenges, you've developed what you call the four truths. So I would love to hear about these. Can you share about the four truths? Sure. The, the four truths are, you know, people ask me, how did you come up with the four truths? I was actually on a podcast where it, it was, it was uh, I can't remember the title, but it had something to do with your truths. And the woman who was the host was like, I need three truths. And I'm, oh, my, you know, I, I better, I better codify these, you know, I better get these down on paper. I've since added one to them. Um, but, but I'll give them to you. I have them on a post-it note sitting here on my desk and I, I see them multiple times during the day. So they constantly get reinforced in my mind. The first one is you need to control your mind or your mind is going to control you. The second one is embrace the pain and the difficulty that we all experience in life and use that pain and difficulty to make you a stronger and more determined or more resilient individual. The third one is more of a, 
I guess, a legacy truth, for lack of a better word. And it's what you leave behind is what you weave in the hearts of other people. And then the fourth one, I think, is pretty self-explanatory. As long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. So I use those. I, I kind of call them sort of the bedrock of my soul. They're just a they're they're good things to to sort of build a quality life off of. And and I I recommend them. I give them to people when I talk and stuff like that. And so if they work for you, use them. If one works for you, then use that and develop your own around the one that I gave you. So you know I. They're, you know, I call them my fortress. They're not mine. I don't, I don't own them. They're not copyrighted or anything. I mean, they're, I don't think you can necessarily own a truth, but they're definitely something that play a big, a big part in my life. Yeah. Well, do you have examples? I mean, I, we've talked a lot actually about pain. Um, and one of those was, you know, kind of embrace that. Um, do you have examples for these of how you've been able to apply it within your own life? I do. Um, I think the first one, control your mind or it will control you, was something I learned early in life. I, I had three knee surgeries in high school as a result of basketball injuries. And I remember when I went back playing basketball, my brain was putting all kinds of negative thoughts into my mind. You know, things like, hey, you're probably a step slower since these surgeries. And college coaches aren't going to be interested in reaching out, you know, mm. about you playing for their college or university. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, I'm still playing at an elite level and coaches are still reaching out about the possibility of playing for their school. So I learned that I had to, I had to change the narrative. I had to sort of flip the switch and, and put something positive in there. And I, I get asked a lot, you know, how do I go from being a glass half empty to a glass half full type of person? And my recommendation is, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to just flip a switch and say, okay, I'm positive today. But what I encourage people to do is, first of all, recognize you have those negative thoughts. I think the Cleveland Clinic did a study and says that on any given day, we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts that pass through our mind, most of which we're not even cognizant of. But your mind can only hold one thought at a time. Why would you want to make that a negative one? So I always encourage people, understand that negative thoughts are going to be there. We're human beings. You know, I don't care how positive you are. You're still going to have negative thoughts. But realize that negative thought is there. Don't get all excited about it. But then change it to something that's positive, something that works for you, for your benefit. And over time, and I don't know what that time period is for people, but over time, your mind will start to expect more positive thoughts then it will negative. So that, I mean, it's, it's a pretty simple fix, but simple things a lot of times are difficult to, you know, to implement in our lives. So, so that's the first one. Uh, the second one about embracing the pain and the difficulty, we're all going to experience pain in our lives. And it doesn't have to be cancer pain or even any kind of an illness. It could be, you know, as simple as you break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or you know, you have a fender bender on the way to church or you don't get the promotion at work that you believe you deserve. Pain is inevitable. Suffering, on the other hand, suffering's optional. Suffering's what you do with that pain. Do you take it and use it to make you a stronger and more determined individual? Or do you wallow in it and feel sorry for yourself and want other people to feel sorry for you? I, I, I mean, I, I look at, you know, our brains being hardwired to avoid pain and discomfort and to seek pleasure. 
the, the problem with that is, you know, the, the status quo, it's comfortable to the brain and it should be left alone. But the problem with that is the only way we're going to grow, the only way we're going to develop, the only way we're going to get better is if we step outside our comfort zones and do things that make us uncomfortable. I used to be a girls high school basketball coach down in Texas. And my players will tell you that I used to constantly say to them, you need to get comfortable being uncomfortable. So with that, I, I guess I'm just saying, instead of running from pain, try to do just the opposite. Take that pain, flip it inside, burn it as fuel, use it as energy to make you a stronger and more resilient individual. That's number two. Number three, um, I, I think it's important for all of us, regardless of what stage of life we're in, to sort of look at the end game. You know, what are people going to say about you at your funeral? What do you want people to say about you at your funeral? Um, I have actually friends who actually read the obituary page in the newspaper or online every day for two reasons. One, to keep themselves humble. And two, to remind themselves that someday somebody's going to be reading their obituary. When I had my leg amputated and I found out I had these tumors in my lungs, I went with my wife to the mortuary and to the cemetery and to the church, and I planned my funeral. And because I go on podcasts and I do speaking engagements where I talk about motivation and the need to keep moving forward, I actually got some brushback from people who commented that somehow planning my funeral was in some way defeatist. You know, mm -hmm. I, I kind of had to remind these people that the last time I checked, we're all going to die. Don't think anybody's working on a cure for life right now. <laughs> I mean, we're all going to die, but we're not all going to really live. And I heard a Native American. Ooh, wow. Oh, say that I, again. All of us are going to die, but not all of us are really going to live. And I think that's pretty deep if you think about it. Mm. I heard a Native American Blackfoot proverb years ago that I love, and it goes like this. When you were born, you cried and the world rejoiced. Live your life in such a way so that when you die, the world cries and you rejoice. That's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not looking to hasten my demise in any way, shape or form. But death isn't nearly as scary for me because I believed I lived the purpose for which I was put on this earth to do. So that's number three. And then number four, I, like I said, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. As long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. But the way that resonates with me is this. Someday my pain is going to end. You know, it may end through surgery, may end through some type of new medication. Quite frankly, it may end when I die. But if I quit, if I give up, if I give in to pain, then pain will always be a part of my life. Mm, wow. Thank you so much. That is profound. I mean, the, the, and I love the, um, the clarity and the, how it's condensed and it's easily, you know, they're, they're like short, quick truths, but they're, they're very layered and they're very deep. And so, you know, you could easily take one a week and just really kind of ruminate on them or meditate on them or, or whatever. And, and, um, and you offer such a unique perspective with the situation that you find yourself in today, because it's very easy for somebody who, um, 
who isn't experiencing chronic pain or loss or uh, disease, you know, that are potentially, you know, where, where you literally, and like you say, we're all, it's all, death is on the horizon for all of us. But when we have a diagnosis that makes it feel like that comes closer to the present moment, um, it, it offers us a, an opportunity to go, you know, defeatist or, um, you know, making us stronger and to help us fulfill our purpose. And by the way, um, I do, I, I'm tuned into like when something, my body will give me like a yes, when something is like really like cosmically true. And when you said something about like that, you know, you're fulfilling your purpose, I feel again right now, it was like, whew full tingles, like full, full resonance of like, yes, you're doing it. So, um, for what that's worth, you know, well, well done. I appreciate that. I, you know, it's, we, a lot of times we talk about our, you know, our, our purpose or our passion or our why or whatever you want to call it, you know, and we think of it as our job, you know, whatever we're doing for a living, that that's our, and, and, and people get so caught up in that. It's like, oh, I'm not really happy at my job, so I must not be. And, and your job doesn't have to be your purpose. I mean, your job could be something over here that you do to pay the bills, but your purpose is over here to, to write or to podcast host or to meditate or to teach or to what, whatever it is. And I always say, especially to young people, if there's something in your heart, something in your soul that you believe you're supposed to do, but it scares you, go ahead and do it. Because at the end of your life, the things that you're going to regret are not going to be the things you did. They're going to be the things you didn't do. And by then it's going to be too late to go back and do them. Mm, I love that. And I agree wholeheartedly when it comes to purpose. I mean, I had a, an experience or a, a friend of mine who was doing like energy work and she was really like connecting with people and really helping to heal people. And she, not that long ago, decided to take a corporate job. And it was just the, the, um, the needs of her family, like where her family was at that time, necessitated a change, um, you know, an increase in her income level. But they're also like the, the, everything was just falling into place really, really easily. And it was like this job came out of nowhere. It was like perfect with her past experience and the flexibility was there and da, da, da. And there was a part of her that was like, but it doesn't feel like as purposeful. I mean, I don't think she put it in that way, but she was definitely hesitant. Like she was seeing the signs coming in and she realized that it was really kind of happening for her, you know, like it was just kind of like the puzzle pieces were coming in for her to just step in and say yes. But it's like, who knows what a person like that in that particular organization can do for the other people who are there working, you know, to have this amazing anchor of light that's in, you know, sitting at a cubicle or where, you know, I'm, I don't know, she might be working from home, but, but at least metaphorically sitting in a cubicle, kind of ticking the boxes and following a project plan and, and whatever it is, again, I'm totally making that up, but I'm, I'm going back to my corporate experience, but, but, you know, having like, it's not so often, it's not about the, the, you know, what makes up your day-to-day job and, 
And it can be that there would not be another way to as deeply impact the lives of the people that we'll be surrounded by, even though it might on the surface not look like it's a job of service, you know, that it may look more like a practical, you know, nine to five job. But it's like, wow, just to be able to have the courage and the trust to say, okay, this is what's presenting, but it seems counterintuitive. It feels like I, I stepped away from this for growth and now like, am I going backwards or whatever? So, you know, it's really like we, it's important to trust. And I love this broader picture that you're talking about of seeing our purpose with a bigger, a bigger scope, you know, it pulled back like life purpose and and everything that our life offers us and not feeling like only those who are serving in this particular way are making a difference. I, I think you make a, a huge point and I think it's an it's an incredibly good point. And it, as you were talking, a, a story was coming to my mind. I, I have a I had a nurse who uh, when I first met her, she's about my daughter's age, so you know 25, 26 already a nurse, but was in training in the unit where I get my infusions every third week. And a couple months ago, she was taking care of me by herself. And she said to me, you know, Tara, I've got a story I want to tell you, but I'm a little uncomfortable saying that to you. And I mean, you know, what do you say to something like that? It's, you know, it's like, well, it sounds like it might be a good story. I'd love to hear it, but I mean, you've got to decide you want to, you want to tell me. And she said, came back a couple hours later and she said, all right, here's the deal. She said, when I first met you, she said, I was going to get out of nursing. She said, I had a good friend of mine die. I was in a really dark place. I talked to my mom and dad. I was going to quit nursing and I was going to go to work for Amazon. And she said, and then I met you and I see what you go through. I see all the ugliness that you go through. I read your story and I knew I was where I was supposed to be. Now, if she would have never told me that story, I would have had no idea that my life had had a positive impact on her like that. And, and I always wonder, you know, how many people are out there that just for one day would give everything they have to trade places with us? You know, they're, they're kind of admiring us from our on far, on far and, and just sort of looking at, you know, I, I want to be like him or I want to be like her. And I, I, I sort of think back, there's, a, there's an entrepreneur, a guy by the name of Ed Milet. He talks about the four types of people in the world. He said there's the, the unmotivated, which is the vast majority of people in the world. And then there's the motivated. And, and that's kind of, you know, sort of a stick and a carrot thing. You know, mm -hmm. if you do this, then, then this will happen. He said, then there's the inspirational people. You know, and inspirational comes from in spirit. You know, their spirit sort of lights the way for other people. And then there's aspirational people where you just live your life and people sort of gravitate to you based on your energy or how you conduct yourself or, or you know, what you're saying or, or things like that. And I think back on that, and I think, you know, I want to be that. I, I would like to be an aspirational type of person. But when I was growing up, there was a basketball coach at UCLA who had a great quote that kind of goes along with this. And it went like this, a careful person I want to be, a little person follows me. I dare not go astray for fear they may go the same way. So I, I, I kind of like that. It's just like, you know, you, you have to live your life based on what you're supposed to do. And, I, and I'm not saying you need to live somebody else's life, 
But I think we all need to sort of step back and think about the decisions we make, not just how they impact us, but how they potentially may impact other people and even other people that we even have no idea who those people are. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. It's really powerful. And I love also just the the kind of um, passive guidance, you know, this kind of, again, like the trust of the universe of that we're going to, you know, th- that the right people will find us even if we never know, you know, that kind of takes the, the pressure off of, yeah. you know, like, okay, I've got to put myself in the right places and, and so on. So that's really powerful. Well, I have enjoyed this immensely. How can people find out more about you or connect with you? So I have a blog every day. I put up a thought for the day. And with that thought usually comes a question about maybe how you could apply it into your life. On Mondays, I put up the Monday morning motivational message, which is a a video or a story that I find that I think has meaning to people. Uh, All that, including my social media networks, you can leave me a note. You can get access to my book. It's all at motivationalcheck.com. Okay, wonderful. Well, oh, and I did, and I mentioned your book, but um, but do you want to tell us a little bit? I I forgot to come back to that. So, your book is Sustainable Excellence, and is this a memoir or more of a guidance it's, book? In some ways, it's a memoir. In some ways, it's not. It was really a book born out of two conversations I had. One was with a former player that I had coached who had moved to Colorado, where my wife and I live, and the four of us had had dinner one night and. I remember saying to her after dinner, I, I'm really excited that you're living close and I can watch you find and live your purpose. And she got real quiet for a while and she looked at me and she's like, well, coach, what do you think my purpose is? I said, I have no idea what your purpose is, but that's what your life should be about. Finding the reason you were put on the face of this earth, using your unique gifts and talents and living that reason. And then I had a young man who reached out to me. The, the, the second sort of story around the book was, He asked me what I thought were the most important things he should learn, not to just be successful in his job or in business, but to be successful in life. And I didn't want to give him the, you know, get up early, work hard, help others. Not that those aren't important. Those are incredibly important. But I wanted to see if I could go deeper with him. And so eventually I came up with these 10 principles and I sent them to him. And then I kind of stepped back and I was like, well, you know, I got a life story that fits underneath that principle, or I know somebody whose life emulates this principle. So literally during the time I was healing after my leg was amputated uh, and before I started chemo for the tumors in my lungs, I sat down at the computer every day and I built stories and they're real stories about real people underneath each of the principles. And that's how sustainable excellence, the 10 principles to leading your uncommon and extraordinary life came to be. Wow. And they can get that on your book, uh, on your website. They can get it on the website. They can pretty much get it anywhere you can get a book online. Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, Apple iBooks. I've also started a membership around the book. So you can go to sustainableexcellencemembership.com and download a free copy of the book if you don't want to spend the money for it, but you still want to read it. Okay, beautiful. Well, Terry, this has really been a beautiful connection. Thank you so much for your time. And, uh, and many blessings on, you know, your continued journey and healing. 
Well, Kara, thank you. I, I, I can use all the healing I can get. And, you know, I, I know you're all about energy in that. So anything you could send my way would be greatly appreciated. Yes, absolutely. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love for you to do me one quick favor, which is to think of one person who would benefit from hearing this content. Let them know you're thinking of them by sharing this episode with them right now. Thank you, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation.